Jesus Christ is alive. He rose from the dead, and that day, that Easter Sunday morning, that first Easter, when Mary and Mary Magdalene and Salome went to the grave expecting to anoint a dead body, they saw the angel sitting there, and they said, Where is Jesus? The angel said, He is not here. He is risen. I submit to you tonight that that's the greatest news the world has ever heard. He is not here. He has conquered the grave. He's alive. how the scriptures describe that very first Easter Sunday morning. It says on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Then Jesus said, He said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and now look, I am alive forever and ever and ever. Church, let's jump on our feet. Let's put our hands together and worship. And I 
and what freedom that brings for the followers of Jesus. And so, God, we want to declare there is no other name but the name of Jesus, who every knee in heaven and on earth and the under the earth, Lord, will bow to this name. And so we just want to say, Jesus, we love you. We elevate you to the only place, and that is on the throne. And we give you all praise and all God's people said, Amen. Praise God. We've got a beautiful testimony right now, and so you can take a seat and you can cast your eyes to the screen as we hear this beautiful story of Jesus' transformation. I was born three months premature, weighing about two pounds, and being very small, nobody expected I would last long. I did, and the neighbour nicknamed me Wonder, as it was a wonder that I survived. I now know it was God who saved me. When I was young, my mother took me to church where I also attended Sunday school. It was here I first heard about Jesus and the seeds of my faith were planted. When I was a teenager, I started to drift away from the church and let myself get into the wrong crowd and my life rapidly went downhill. At 18, I was living out of home in the house of my girlfriend's father. One night he attacked me, bashing me to the point of death. It was during this relentless beating and thinking I would not make it, I had a kind of peace. I prayed to God and asked for forgiveness of my sins, and I also remember praying that God forgive the man that was bashing me. I felt my soul leaving my body, and I saw the whole thing from a view above as if I was on the ceiling. I could see the man on top of me, and my head getting knocked right and left. 
The Lord's Spirit came in that moment and there was a light. I remember asking the Lord for a chance to live as I was still young and that if I got the chance to have a family, I promised to bring up my children as Christians. The bashing ceased. I woke and my girlfriend and I left the house driving to my parents. I was very ill. It took months to recover. I was in hospital getting a CT scan and the doctor said if I wasn't dead, I was a punch away from it. I know that God saved my life that day. I moved around for work as a carpenter, but with children coming into the family, we ended up moving back to the Brisbane area. We had four beautiful children, but after 19 years of marriage, we divorced in 2009. It was then I realised I would be looking after the children by myself. This was a very hard time and difficulty after difficulty filled my life in this season. Three months after my marriage ended, my brother, who I'd always looked up to, committed suicide. My employer thought I could not work and look after the kids and made me redundant. And I was out of work with four kids. I was then diagnosed with skin cancer and had a big part of my nose cut and grafted. I was constantly ill from all the stress and tablets. I was a mess and fell into depression. I felt lost and unable to see the light in the darkness. My life, I felt, had been shattered. But God again saved me. Somehow he carried me through this time. He gave me the strength to keep going for the sake of the kids. And when we were on the very last of our finances, a call came in for a job application I had put in months before. They were willing to give me a chance to prove I could work as well as look after the kids. And through this work I was able to send my children to Genesis College, a Christian school, and fulfil the promise I had made to God on the night he saved me from death. In my new job I was working in the city and that meant I was daily driving past Bridgman Baptist Church. I was always looking at the sign out the front and I wondered what the church was like. I had tried to go to other churches on a few occasions but was still very broken inside. I didn't want to be seen weeping in public, especially with the kids. Then I met Christine, who said she would like me to go to church with her. And when I asked her where, her reply was Bridgman Baptist, so I said yes. This was three years ago. I was welcomed by Peter, Andrew, Jody and the other pastors and I began to love coming here. Life was still difficult, but step by step the Lord began healing me. Through the Alpha Course, through the men's camps, the Reconnected Man Study, I learned about God and His Word. Many times I thought, why didn't I see it that way before? The worship songs and sermons kept speaking to my inner self. It was like my spirit was being awakened. Christina also helped me grow in my faith. And the Connect Group I attend become like an extended family. I realise I have been on a journey of growing in understanding of the goodness of God, His love, faithfulness and provision. I had been living knowing the consequence of my sin and thinking I was lost, but in seeing the incredible sacrifice Jesus made for all of us, for me, I asked the Lord's forgiveness and I gave my heart to Him. At the Omega course I attended, the importance of baptism was discussed, and so I have come to state publicly that Jesus Christ has saved me from my sins and given me new spiritual life.
He is my Lord and Saviour and I am committed myself to following him for the rest of my life. Isn't it amazing the work that God does? And I'm, I'm here with Steve. Could we thank Steve once again for sharing his story with us? I'm also with Brendan, who is part of that connect group that have journeyed with Steve for the last three years. And as we hear that story, we see something of God's character, a God who pursues, a God who is faithful through thick and thin and a God who saves and redeems. And there's no better day, Steve said it to me, no better day than to be baptised than Easter Sunday, Resurrection Day. And many of you, you may not be familiar with baptism, but what's happening here is actually a picture of what we've celebrated over this Easter weekend. On Friday, we looked at the fact that, you know, we can't earn our way to heaven and we'll never be good enough at all. It's not about Christians being good people. Uh, Christians are forgiven people. And as we baptise Steve, he goes down under this water and it's a picture of forgiveness in Jesus, that He takes our sin, He takes our past. It's gone, it's forgotten. He gives us a second chance. And as He rises again, as we bring Him up out of the water, it's all about the picture of what we celebrate today, that Jesus didn't stay dead. He's not dead. Jesus is alive and He he rises us and gives us new life, the new life that Steve spoke of there, a regenerated life internally that God gives us. That's what we celebrate here and that's the picture that we will uh, soon show in baptising Stephen here today. God is a great God. God loves us so much. And this story that we've just heard can be all of our story in receiving all that Jesus has done for us. Before I baptise Steve, I'd just love to pray with him on this special moment of his baptism. Would you join me in that this morning? God, that's what we first just want to declare in this place, that You are a good, good God. Lord, You are so faithful. You saved Stephen physically, Lord. You brought him back to life, Lord, and and spiritually also. Lord, You have given him new life. Lord, we say thank You. Lord, I'm sure Stephen or any one of us wouldn't say that we deserve this, but Your grace and Your love is so amazing, Lord. Thank You for giving us new life in Jesus Christ. And Lord, on this day, on this moment, as Steve declares his faith in You, I wanna pray, Lord, Your blessing upon he and his family. Thank You, Father. We hear the ups and downs of that story. And Lord, we thank You that You've never left him. You will never, ever forsake him. Lord, and You will be just as faithful in the future. We pray over all the children's lives, Lord, that they might know the fullness of your love and your faithfulness as well. And Lord Jesus, now as Stephen's baptised, Lord, we pray just for an infilling of your Holy Spirit, an anointing. Lord, just to continue that journey of new life that has begun in him to fullness, Lord, fullness of life in Jesus, we pray. So Lord, thank you. Thank you for this moment. Thank you for the God that you are. Thank you for the new life that you bring. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Stephen, do you confess Jesus to be your Lord and your Saviour? I do. What's on the profession of this faith that today Brendan and I have the privilege of baptising you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.
that death cannot be overcome by life. God, Your life has flooded into the world and we're recipients here this morning and we say thank You in Jesus' Name. Amen, amen. Hey, please grab a seat. So great to have you with us here at our Easter Sunday Resurrection service this morning. I wanna say welcome. And uh, if it's your first time, a really particular welcome to you. However you're joining us, if you're online, I think there's people in the courtyard on the mezzanine. So great to have you here with us. But we've got something special for the kids now. So kids, uh, Ty's gonna come and share that with us. Let's welcome Ty as he does that, yeah. Happy Easter to you all and happy Easter kids. Our verse for today is taste and see that the Lord is good. And kids, if you haven't had any chocolate yet this morning, we have these little packs for you and you are gonna get one um, at the end of Sunday Buzz and at the end of Junior Buzz today. Uh, But this is the verse that we're looking at and in it, it says taste and see. So we created this little video. It's a bit different today for our kids talk. And there's an opportunity where uh, the kids were in a room and they didn't actually know they were being recorded. Our awesome tech team set it up. And the challenge was, you might have seen this on YouTube before, but the challenge was, I gave them a chocolate and I said, hey, I'm going to leave the room. And I said, either you can eat this chocolate now or when I come back in the room, if you haven't eaten it, you get another chocolate. Okay, so really it's pretty cruel to test their patience. So they didn't know they were being recorded and you're gonna see that on the video now. And then we asked them at the end, because this is our verse, we asked them, how do you know that God is good? So let's watch this video now together. 600 plus 116 equals 716. What's that microphone doing? I got the same Easter eggs at my home. Really? Do you like Easter eggs? 
Okay, well, I have a little challenge for you, okay? Yeah, so what's gonna happen is I'm gonna give you an Easter egg, okay? Yeah. And then I'm gonna leave the room. And you can eat your chocolate, okay? You can eat it. Or, if I come back in the room and you haven't eaten it, I'll give you another one, okay? What? But you can eat this one now. Because I've got to do a few things. So if I come back in and it's not eaten, you get another chocolate, okay? Chocolate's pretty good, isn't it? Mm -hmm. They did a very good job. I don't know how I honestly would have gone with that, but I don't know, they did well, I think. But that is the verse for today. And it was actually so special hearing their responses. So I'm gonna pray now. Dearly Father, thank You that You are so good. You say that, taste and see that the Lord is good. And You are so good. Thank You that You died on the cross, but You rose again. There is victory in Your Name. And thank You, Lord, of all ages, we get to experience Your goodness. And I'm so thankful for that. In Your Name we pray, Lord. Amen. 
want to let you know today we have our uh, kids' programs on. So for Junior Buds, you guys will leave at the end of announcements and that's for our kindy and prep. Um, but today it'll just be slightly different because it's holiday buzz. So you'll sign in and out of the chapel, okay? So it's just the part that's slightly different. And then for our Sunday buzz for our grade 1s to 6s, um, in the welcome time, we're going to head out straight away. Um, and if there's any Sunday switches around or any parents that are happy um, to stick around and help out in our kids' ministries today, that would be awesome. But it is actually time now to jump up on your feet and welcome each other. And Sunday buzz, you can head out. So why don't you jump up on your feet and welcome everyone in a COVID safe way. to be here together as community this morning. You can grab a seat once you've uh, said hello to the person next to you. Kids will be looking for the eggs, looking for the chocolate, I'm sure. I do wanna say, if you, if you are new here this morning, maybe this is your first time here at Bridgman uh, or maybe uh, Easter's a, a particular time when you come along to this community. I just wanna say that you are welcome and uh, we'd love to just meet you and hear a little bit about your story and tell you a little bit more about what's happening here within this community at Bridgman. We have services every Sunday, 8 a.m., 10 a.m., 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. And uh, maybe you don't, you, you wouldn't consider yourself someone uh, who, who calls himself a Christian. Maybe you're not associated with a church normally. We just wanna let you know that you're always welcome here, uh, here or online as well. Uh, a few things that we, I just want to mention quickly. One thing that we like to do at Easter as a church is just to be prayerfully considering how we might be able to support particular needs in our community and around our world uh, using our finances. And this particular Easter, there's two causes that we're, as a church, looking to give towards. The first is a Rana Youth Shelter, which is just in our local community here. And our Rana Youth Shelter is celebrating 40 years in 2021 of serving youth in crisis in our community here in Brisbane. And uh, they do such a great job of housing youth in uh, times of need. And so we just wanna support them as a church. We've been doing that over many years. So there's an opportunity to be able to give to them this Easter. And the other need that we've recently become aware of is some, uh, there's four hospitals in Papua New Guinea, which the Baptist denomination is associated with. And uh, they're in real need of protective equipment as they treat people with coronavirus at the moment. And they're at a place where they're just stretched so thin that they may not be able to continue treating coronavirus patients if they don't receive funding to be able to buy some of this equipment. So we as a church heard about this need and we wanna be able to just uh, bless them in this particular way at Easter. So there's more details in your, in your newsletter if you've got one of those, or you can also head to our website as to how you might be able to give in those directions. The other thing I just wanted to quickly tell you about is in two weeks time on the 18th of April, we're having here uh, at Bridgman in this auditorium what we call a healing service at 2.30 p.m. And if you have a need, maybe, maybe you're a part of our community here or maybe you're not, whatever, uh, whoever you are, if you have a need in your life and you'd like to bring that to God and uh, ask Him to bring intervention in that situation, you'd be so welcome to come along to that service. Um, whether you've been prayed for before or not, whether you've prayed for uh, prayed to God before or not, you'd be so welcome to come along to that service on the 18th of April. 
at 2.30 p.m. The other thing I just wanted to mention is that there's no 4 p.m. service this afternoon, but our, at our 6 p.m. service, we're actually having four baptisms, which is really exciting. And uh, you can tune in online as well or come along. There's uh, still some spots available, as I understand, for that service. Uh, just as a church community this morning, we wanted to pass on our sympathies to Ken Gray, who I understand is here uh, this morning. And uh, I'm not sure exactly where you are, Ken, but on the passing of your mum. And uh, we as a church just wanted to pass on our sympathies there and let you know that we're gonna be praying for you in this particular time. We're gonna pray now, in fact, as we continue in our service. So I invite you to join with me now as we do that. God, we just say thank you that, uh, that this is a morning where we celebrate that there is hope, that in you, God, there is hope. There is new life and death is not the end. Um, death will be consumed by life. And uh, Father, we just wanna bring before you this morning in this moment as a community, some particular needs that we're aware of. Lord, we wanna pray for Ken this morning and a family which will be grieving, grieving the loss of a mother. And I just pray, Lord, that you'd minister your love and mercy um, in this time to this family. God, just may they know that you are near, that you're not too far from any one of us, that as we call out to you, you will make yourself present in our lives, in our spirits. Lord, we wanna pray for people right around our world at the moment who are still suffering from COVID, Lord. And we just bring in particular this need in Papua New Guinea to you. Lord, we just pray that all the money that would be required for that to be able to occur would, uh, would be sent in that direction. Thank you, God, that you are a God who provides. Jehovah Jireh, you, there's nothing too hard for you, God. And you see the need in each one of our lives. And Lord, um, you, you, you wanna meet us in that place and you wanna, you wanna minister your love and your care to us. And so I pray for any, anyone here this morning, maybe they've just arrived and they're saying, man, I'm in a hard place. God, I pray that you'd, you'd let them know, Lord, as they, that they can turn to you and receive your Holy Spirit, your love and your care. And Father, we just say thank you, Lord, uh, for the kids who are, who are um, amongst us in a community here. Lord, we pray a blessing over them this Easter, Father, that they might come to know the truth that is in you as well. In Jesus' Name, Amen. If uh, you do have children in the Junior Buzz age, which is, I think, up to the age of six, uh, from three to six, you can head out now, take them to the chapel and sign them in there. And there's also an unsupervised crash uh, if you've got... Uh, from zero to two that you can uh, and uh, go over there and just mind your children there as we watch the uh, sermon as well. So why don't you stand with us and we're gonna sing one more song before we listen to God's Word this morning.
welcome to you today. It's so great to have you sharing with us on our Easter Sunday um, celebration service today. For those who are joining us online as well, a very big welcome to you. I want to say fantastic singing through those masks. That was awesome job. Um, and really, really glad just to be able to worship our Saviour, to know it's true that He is alive this morning. How amazing was Steve's story and his baptism. Praise God for that. Absolutely incredible. And we're just warming up today because tonight our baptism service, don't miss that, whatever you do. If you can't be here in person, stream in online and hear those stories. But as I was listening to Steve's story, um, I couldn't help but realise that really it is a story of both literally and spiritually moving from death to life. Um, Steve has experienced physically what it means to, to literally um, have that, that experience, that, that dying experience he had when he was out of his body. Uh, and then um, through God's miraculous help being healed, but also spiritually he's experienced what it means to go from death to life. And this is at the heart of the message of the resurrection. This is what it's all about, that through the resurrection of Jesus, we too can go from death to life. I'm not a, a huge car person. I don't follow car racing closely or anything like that. But recently I watched an episode of a Netflix series called Drive to Survive. And this series follows the F1, the Formula One racing circuit over a season. And uh, this particular episode just had me, I was all in, like it was a oh, pretty full on episode to watch. And uh, these, these Formula One drivers are incredibly competitive. And not only that, they are fearless. Actually, they're crazy, really, to be honest with you. They're, these cars reach top speeds of 375 kilometers per hour. And they know that if they crash, they know that the consequences, the impact of that is not good at all. They risk their lives literally every time they get out on that race track. Well, in this episode I was watching, one of the very experienced Formula One drivers, Romain Grosjean, um, actually, as he was at the start of this race, his car veers off the track at a very high speed and it veers into the barriers. And as his car crashes into the barriers, his car literally just splits in two and then bursts into flames. Now, I'm talking like fireball flames, like just the whole car is consumed in this fireball of flames. And as you're watching this, uh, you, you're just thinking, oh man, this is not good. And all the other drivers, you hear them as soon as on their radios, they're all saying that was not good, that was bad. Every driver, every um, team member knows that the worst thing that can possibly happen in a Formula One crash is for the car to catch on fire. And as I said, it wasn't just on fire, it was consumed with fire. And they pull all of the cars off the racetrack into the pits and everyone, this, this silence falls over the track. Everyone cannot believe what they are seeing. And they're all glued to the TVs in the pit, pit lane and they're watching to see if by some chance maybe Romain can get out of this car. But as the minutes pass by, um, the, the shock initially just turns to despair and there's tears and people just don't know what to say. And they realise in this moment, there is no way, there's no possible way that Romain can survive the intense heat of, of a crash, a fireball like that, for that length of time. There's no way anybody can possibly survive that sort of an accident. And in that moment, as just this silence, this devastation falls over the track, 
um, you, you realize, as you're watching that episode, you realize that there is just something. We all know there is just something wrong about death. One moment, here's Romaine, married, two kids. Here he is talking about his career and his hopes for the future. The next moment, he is in this crash. And, and that's it. That's the end. And the response of all the drivers, all the race teams, you can see that there is just something wrong about death, that it's not how it should be. There's something not right about it. And the Bible actually talks about this fact that actually God never intended it this way, that death was not how God intended it. And the Bible says that actually we've been created with eternity in our hearts, which means that all of us know deep down that we're actually, death is not right and that we're created to live forever. That is how God created us. And you see it so clearly in these moments. And whether you're believing God or not, in in, in situations like that, when you come face to face with death, you know deep within there's something not right about it. Well, as the episode continues, um, this incredible miracle takes, takes place. Somehow, out of this fireball, um, Romains manages to free himself from the wreckage of the car after struggling for some time. He begins to climb out and one of the medic teams that's fully suited up is, is near the flames, hoping maybe there's some sign of life. And suddenly they see the driver begin to stir and one of the medics literally reaches in and helps him as he's climbing out and pulls him out of the fire. Literally reaches in the fire, pulls him out. He jumps out over the barrier and he is on fire. Like He literally walks out of the flames and he's on fire and he stumbles out, jumps onto the track. And, and, and his suit is black, his helmet's black, everything's black and he falls onto the track and then miraculously he stands up. You're thinking, no way can he survive this. But rather than jump on the stretch of the ambulance was there, he, he decides, no, he's going to walk to the ambulance. And the reason he does that is he wants to show everyone who's watching on that he is okay, particularly his wife and two kids. He knows they'll be watching. He knows the thoughts that are going through their minds. So he's determined to walk to the ambulance so that they can see that he is okay. And it is like this absolute incredible miracle. You you think there is no way, there is no way he could have possibly get out. And in this moment, the people, they interview people on the track and these are the comments that they make. One of the person, people says this, this is their words. It was a miracle. It was absolutely a miracle, says one of the drivers. Another person says, how could he possibly get out? That is an act of God, is the words that they use. Another says, we just have to say thank you to somebody up in heaven. In this moment, there is this spiritual response. They are convinced that there is a God in this moment and that miracles are possible. It's just naturally just this spiritual response. Because as far as they were concerned, in fact, they knew it, that, that Romaine was certainly dead. They knew from their vast experience in racing, there is no way somebody can experience, can, can survive a crash like that. And they've experienced all the emotion of it. You experience it as you're watching the episode and suddenly you realise he is alive. This is what Romaine said. They interviewed him at the end of the episode. These are his words. He said, the priorities that were here last week are now very different. It changed my life forever. For two minutes and 43 seconds, for them, talking particularly about his family, for them, I was dead. Life will now be so much more beautiful. When you go through that and you have a second birthday, a second chance in life, a chance of life, you just take it. 
And interestingly, at the start of the episode, because he'd been racing for 10 years, he was debating whether he should retire or not, but he just couldn't bring himself to retire because he, he said, I'm addicted to racing. Well, after this incident, he said, I'm retiring. I'm definitely retiring. That's it for my racing career. He literally had gone from death to life. And Romain Grosjean's miraculous story reminded me of the spiritual reality that the Bible speaks about that is true for each and every one of us. All of us have this same experience over our lives. And that is the truth that we were dead, we are dead in our sin. That the curse of death is over our world, over our lives. But because Jesus walked out of the fire, so to speak, because Jesus overcame death, we can be born again. We can have a second birthday, just like Romaine spoke of. Because of the resurrection, we have an opportunity to move from, from death to life. And so today I want to look at a passage of Scripture that explains how this is possible. It's found in Ephesians chapter 2 and it says these words. It says, as for you, when it's talking about you, it's talking about all of us, talking about you, me, every person. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. And the reality is that all of us are dead. Our sin has separated us from God. There is this brokenness in our relationship with God, the one who created us. And the Bible says that what it is that separates us is sin. And so because of our sin, we are spiritually dead. See, the Bible says that all of us have this terminal illness, this sickness that leads to death. It's a heart condition that we are all born with, that deep down that we have this sinful heart, this sinful nature, and it's this sin that separates us from God. Now you might be thinking, that's a bit harsh, that's a bit full on to tell me this morning that I'm dead in my sins, that I'm, that I'm a sinner, but I, I want you to say that doesn't mean that there's not good in this world. It doesn't mean because of God's common grace, there is good in our world doesn't mean that you're not, pos not uh, possible to do good things, that you have that potential to do that. But the Bible says actually deep down though, all of us have this heart condition. All of us deep down have this sickness that leads to death and that the curse of death is over our world. One of the most powerful stories I've ever heard on the realisation of the true nature of the human heart is told by Malcolm Muggeridge. He was working as a journalist in India and he left his residence one evening to the Ganges River to have a swim. And as he entered the water across the river, he saw a woman from a nearby village who had come down to take her bath. And Muggeridge impulsively in this moment felt the allurement of the moment and temptation stormed into his mind. And thinking no one would ever know, he swam upstream against the current toward this woman. And Muggeridge explains he was struggling not just the current of the water, but against the current of his own conscience. And swimming underwater, Muggeridge surfaced near the woman and what he saw gave him the shock of a lifetime. The woman was actually a leper. Her, her, her nose was eaten away, there were sores and white blotches all over her skin and the ends of her fingers were gone. Muggeridge says, this creature grinned at me showing a toothless mask and the experience left Muggeridge trembling and muttering under his breath, what a dirty, lecherous woman. But then the rude shock of what had just taken place dawned on him. It was not the woman who was lecherous. 
Muggeridge realised it was him. He was the lecherous one. It was his heart. And the Bible says that every single one of us have this terminal heart condition, a sickness that leads to death. Have you ever lied to someone, felt jealous or envious towards someone, had malice thoughts or acted maliciously towards someone else? If you've ever lost your temper, been cruel, acted unjustly, dishonoured someone, dishonoured a family member, uh, maybe you have coveted someone's career, their family, their kids, even their appearance. If you've ever secretly hoped the worst for someone or a group of people. If you've ever stolen something, cheated someone, received a reward, a prize or an accolade that didn't really belong to you or you didn't deserve. If you've ever held forgiveness or pride, if you've ever broken a promise, gossiped about someone else to others that you know would hurt them, or even worse still, falsely gossiped to others to get revenge. If you've ever idolised or worshipped something or someone other than God, then the Bible tells us that we have sinned, that you have sinned. That's the truth. And because of this, we are dead in our sins. But here is the good news this morning. Despite that, God says to you today, he says to you, I love you. I love you, is what he says. Listen to how the passage continues in verse four. But because of his great love for us, because of God's great love for us, In this world, we talk about love. We're nearly always talking more about an emotion or a feeling rather than a choice or an action. It's almost certainly when we talk about love in our world, in our culture, it's always conditional. What can the other person give to me? The story is told of a girl who regretted breaking her engagement and wrote this letter. It said, Dearest Tommy, no words could ever express the great unhappiness I've felt since breaking our engagement. Please say you'll take me back. No one could ever take your place in my heart, so please forgive me. I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. Yours forever, Marie. P.S. Congratulations on winning the lottery. (laughs) There is this condition, isn't there, to love that we consider in our culture, in our world. But the Bible tells us that while we were sinners, even while we had our back turned on God, when we were against him, even then he loved us. This is an unconditional love. The famous theologian, preacher A.W. Tozer once said these words. He says, Jesus Christ knows the worst about you. I want to tell you this morning, you can't hide anything from God. You might be able to hide it from other people, but you cannot hide it from God. And so he says, Jesus Christ, he knows the worst about you. Nonetheless, he says, he is the one who loves you most. Isn't that powerful? The Bible says that in Jesus, we discover what real love is and the love that our heart desires. A love that our world, that no one can give us. Only God, who is love, is able to give us the love that our hearts desperately desire. One of the great heroes of Cuba is Carlos de Cespedes. He was a landowner and a lawyer from eastern Cuba and in 1884 he gave his slaves freedom and started a war of independence against the ruling Spanish. He was named the president of Cuba. Cespedes' second child and only son's name was Oscar. And the Spanish captured Oscar and wanted to exchange Oscar's life 
in, in, in exchange for Cespedes' resignation as president of the Republic of Cuba. And in a very famous um, response, this is what he said, this is what Cespedes said. He said that Oscar was not his only son because every Cuban who had died for the revolution he started was also his son. And so the Spanish then executed Oscar. And it's a very stirring story, a human reminder of the action of God in giving his son Jesus for us, the life of one in exchange for the freedom of many. That is the picture of the cross. That is what we looked at on Good Friday. But as moving as that human example is, I want to tell you this morning, it doesn't even come close to capturing the enormity of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross for us. Because you see, Jesus was perfect. Jesus was God. He was holy, perfect, completely without sin. And on that cross, he took upon himself your sin, my sin, the sin of the whole world. A holy God taking upon himself the sin of the world. And not only that, to experience separation from his Father, perfect oneness with his heavenly Father. Again, we can't comprehend this. And yet in that moment, as he hung on the cross, bore our sin, he experienced that separation from his heavenly Father. This is love so, so deep, so extravagant, we cannot fully understand. Maybe when we get to heaven, we'll maybe begin to comprehend the depth of Jesus' sacrificial, self-giving love towards us. But one thing for sure is that the cross, Good Friday, leaves no question of God's deep, deep love for you. His deep care and concern for you. But then there's even more, the passage continues, it says, and God who is rich in mercy. That is who God, rich in mercy towards us. I'm so aware from talking to people that often their, their picture of who God is, is that he is like an angry father that just is looking for an opportunity to catch you out so that he can punish you and, and judge you. I know that often this is the picture that people can have of God, but the Bible tells us that is not what God is like, that actually he is rich in mercy towards us and towards this world. John 3.17 says that God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. This is God's heart. His, his heart is not to condemn you. His heart is to come and to rescue you, redeem you, save you because he is rich in mercy toward us. You see, it's not God who condemns, it is Satan who comes to condemn us. It is Satan that tells us that we are no good, that we have no value and worth, that we'll never be good enough. Have you ever had these thoughts go through your mind? I want to tell you where they come from. They're not coming from God, they're coming from the evil one. Ever thought, of, well, I'm a failure and I'm a disappointment, I'm a lost cause, I could never be forgiven, there is no hope, no one would ever accept me. If you have had those thoughts go through your mind, I want to tell you, don't believe those lies this morning. That is the lies of Satan who's come to kill, steal and destroy. The Bible tells us that God has sent Jesus to come and bring us life and life to the full. And, and he says to you this morning, your heavenly father says to you this morning that he loves you, that he cares about you, that he is for you and not against you. God is rich in mercy, slow to anger, abounding in love. Now here's the really great news today on Resurrection Sunday. And it's this, it continues. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ. Praise God. Even when we were dead in transgressions. 
One of my favorite Easter quotes says this, it says, Jesus Christ did not come to make bad people good, but to make dead people alive. This is the message of Easter Sunday. He came, Jesus came to bring people from death to life. This is the great news of the resurrection. Jesus has conquered sin and death so that we could experience this same resurrection life, new life in him. And the first thing you need to understand, you need to know this morning is that God is alive. He is very much alive. He still answers prayers today. He still transforms lives, just like Steve's story. The four stories we're gonna hear tonight as well. God is still in control. And you need to know the reason that stone was rolled away from that tomb on Easter Sunday morning. It wasn't so that Jesus could get out of that tomb. I wanna tell you that. He didn't need that stone removed. We see in his resurrection appearances, he was passing through locked doors in his resurrection body. So he didn't need that stone removed. The reason that stone was removed was so that disciples could see in, so that we could see into that tomb and see that it is empty and that he is alive, that he is risen and that he has done this because he wants to bring us from death to life as well. Steve's baptism this morning just captured this so well. I'm so glad you got to see it. There is no better day than Easter Sunday to be baptized. As Andrew explained, as he went under the water and came up again, it's a picture of what Jesus has done for us, that he died, was buried, rose again to new life. And for Steve, it was also a picture of what has happened in his own life as well. The moment he placed his faith and trust in Jesus, he was, the Spirit of God came to live within him. He was united with Christ. He also died to his old life. This is what his baptism represented and has risen to new life in Christ. He has been born again, his second birthday. It's the best news in all the world. And that is what the picture of baptism is all about. Steve said this morning, he said, I've been living knowing the consequences of my sin. He knew that. He'd experienced physical death, but he knew what spiritual death felt like as well. I'd felt the consequences of my sin and thinking I was lost, but seeing the incredible sacrifice Jesus made for all of us, for me, I asked the Lord's forgiveness and I gave my heart to Him. And so I've come today to state publicly that Jesus Christ has saved me from my sins and given me new spiritual life. Steve has gone from death to life. And I wanna tell you this morning that you can experience that as well. You can have that experience in your own life. Maybe this morning you're so aware of your circumstances. You feel, I'm in the place of despair. You realize that there is this separation, this disconnect in your life. Or you too can experience, just like Steve, this this moving, this, this transformation from death to life. Here is the key. How to experience this. Listen to how this passage finishes. It says these words. It is by grace you have been saved. Here's the key. You need to understand that this gift of new life, this gift of salvation is received, not achieved. Paul goes on just a couple of verses later, explains this further. He says, for it is by grace you have been saved. It's through faith. It's not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by work so that no one can boast. Our sin, as I mentioned at the start, has separated us from God. And as humans, often we try all sorts of ways to bridge that gap. For many of us, we think, well, if I'm a good person, I can bridge that gap. Or for others of us, we think, well, maybe religion will help me to bridge that gap between me and God. 
But others of us, we just think, oh, look, it'll all be right. She'll be right in the end. It'll all pan out okay in the end. But the Bible actually tells us that no, it won't all be okay in the end. The Bible tells us that there is coming a time where Jesus will come again. And this time he's going to put everything right. This time he will come in judgment to put everything right. And so the question is, well, what is the answer? How do we bridge that gap between us and God? And the answer is, the Bible tells us that it is through Jesus. It is Christ alone. We place our faith and trust in him. We receive this gift of salvation by receiving the giver, Jesus Christ, into our hearts. Author David Platt tells the following story, which highlights this truth. He says, I remember sitting outside a Buddhist temple in Indonesia. Men and women filled the elaborate, colourful temple grounds where they daily performed their religious rituals. Meanwhile, I was engaged in a conversation with a Buddhist leader and a Muslim leader in this particular community. They were discussing how all religions are fundamentally the same and only superficially different. We may have different views about small issues, one of them said, but when it comes down to essential issues, each of our religions is the same. I listened for a while and then they asked me what I thought. I said, it sounds as though you, you both picture God at the top of a mountain. It seems if you believe that we are all at the bottom of the mountain and I may take one route up the mountain, you may take another and in the end we all end up in the same place. They smiled as I spoke. Happily they replied, exactly, you understand. Then I leaned in and said, now let me ask you a question. What would you think if I told you that the God at the top of the mountain actually came down to where we are? What would you think if I told you that God doesn't wait for people to find their way to him, but instead he comes to us? They thought for a moment and then responded, that would be fantastic. And I replied, let me introduce you to Jesus. See, this is the message of the gospel. David Platt continues, he says, as long as you and I understand salvation is checking off a box to get to God, we will find ourselves in the meaningless sea of world religions that actually condemn the human race by ex exalting our supposed ability to get to God. On the other hand, when you and I realize that we are morally evil, dead in sin, deserving of God's wrath with no way out on our own, we begin to discover our desperate need for Christ. See, here is the key. We are saved by grace, not by works. It's a gift of God. It is received, not achieved. This free gift. And so this Easter, the greatest gift you can ever receive is this gift of new life in Jesus. This is the message of Easter Sunday. He died and rose again so that you could come from death to life, so you could have a second birthday, be born again. One of the most familiar stories in the Bible is the story of the, the prodigal son. The son who asks his father for his inheritance and then heads off and into wild living, spends all his inheritance and he reaches the end of himself and finally he decides he's going to try and return to his father just to be one of his slaves. In Luke 15 it records that while he was still a long way off, the father spots him and he is filled with compassion for him and he runs to his son and he throws his arms around him and kisses him. And the son says to his father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. 
But the father says to his servants, quick, bring the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. Listen to these words. For this son of mine was dead, but now he is alive again. He was lost and he is found. So they began to celebrate. And I want to tell you, every time a person crosses over from death to life, there is a celebration in heaven. A celebration in heaven because this is God's heart. This is his desire for each one of us. This is the message of Resurrection Sunday. He wants to give you the gift of new life, just like Steve experienced. And you can't earn it. You can't pay for it. You simply need to receive it by receiving the giver, Jesus himself. You come humbly acknowledging that you are dead in your sins, that you can't save yourself. Instead, look to Jesus, look to Christ and ask him, ask him to forgive you, to fill you with his resurrection life. In John 5 verse 24, it says these words, very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. This is the good news of Resurrection Sunday. Will you join with me as we pray together? Just as we're bowed in prayer in these moments, I want to give you an opportunity this morning just to respond, to receive this gift for yourself. If you're here this morning and you know that you you know that feeling of deadness over your life, you know that feeling of just being separated from God, that feeling of hopelessness, well, this morning God wants to bring you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. He wants to take you from the place of despair to the place of hope and assurance in Him. This is who God is. He wants to take you from a place of fear to a place of peace. So this morning, I want to just pray a simple prayer as we're bowed together. And I just want to encourage you to make this prayer your own. Maybe like the prodigal son, you've drifted away from God this morning. You've drifted far from him. I want to tell you this morning that the Father's arms are wide open for you. He longs to welcome you back. He wants to experience that new life in a fresh and a new way today. That's you. I want to invite you just to pray this prayer as well. It's not the prayer that saves you or rescues you, but it's a a moment, it's an opportunity to mark this moment. It's an opportunity to say, God, I wanna look to you this Easter Sunday morning, no better day to experience resurrection life. So that's you this morning, God speaking to you. I just wanna invite you to make this simple prayer, your own prayer this morning as I pray, just to pray this in your heart and your mind. Heavenly Father, thank you for your great love for me. Thank you for sending your son to die on that cross. Thank you that he rose again so that I might know forgiveness of sins and new life in you. This morning, I wanna say, sorry, God. Sorry for the way that I've turned from you. Sorry for the way that I've gone my own way. This morning, I ask you to forgive me. And this morning, Heavenly Father, I turn to you in repentance and faith. I look to you, Lord Jesus, and I pray now that you will come and fill me with your Holy Spirit, fill me with that resurrection life. Lead me, guide me. I acknowledge you as the Saviour and as the King of my life, and I pray this in Jesus' name.
And Lord, I wanna pray now for any of you who've just prayed this prayer. I pray that right now, Lord, you will fill them with the awareness that they have crossed over from death to life, Lord, that you would fill them by your Holy Spirit with that resurrection power, Lord. Fill them with the hope that is found in you, Lord Jesus, the assurance of eternal life, that death is not the end, Lord. But we have the joy of living forever with you. And Lord, that all of heaven celebrates this very moment, great God, because of those who have said yes to you, who have crossed over from death to life. Oh Lord, we celebrate, we give you thanks this morning. This is the best news in all the world. And so we worship you now in Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna sing a song as we conclude our service this morning. If you prayed that prayer in your heart, you know God's was speaking to you this morning. And at the end of this service, we'll have some of our prayer team down the front. We would love to pray for you. We'd love to help you on your journey of faith. We have some Bible gift packs as well. We just love to give you for free. There's a Bible in there, some information to help you on your journey of faith. If you came with someone, just tell them, hey, that was for me this morning. Let them know they might come with you down the front to chat to somebody or be able to help you themselves on that journey. But we'd love you just to take one of these Bible gift packs. And I wanna mention the Alpha course as well. It's a course that's helped millions of people around the world on their journey of faith. Encourage you to take an opportunity to do that course at some stage. But why don't we stand together? We're gonna worship. It's Easter Sunday, Jesus is alive. So church, let's not hold back as we give thanks for the good news of the gospel. Jesus is alive.
the morning that sealed the promise your very body began to breathe out of the silence the roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on Come the darkness, use us, great God, as your people, we pray. And bless each one here in person, those online as well, we pray. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Please be seated. Praise God. Thanks so much for sharing with us today for our Easter Sunday service. If you'd like to be prayed for, you can email if you're online to prayer at bridgman.org.au. We'd love to pray for you if you're here in person, our prayer team down the front. Don't forget our Easter appeal as well, supporting those two fantastic causes. But God bless you. And don't miss tonight our special baptism service as well. God bless.